Welcome to Tales for Teaching, a podcast where we explore stories with purpose in higher education. We'll share expert insights, engaging interviews, and thought-provoking discussions that will inspire your teaching. On behalf of Deakin University, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded lands and waterways on which you were located. I acknowledge the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on which this podcast was recorded, and I pay my respects to elders past, present and future. My name is Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales for Teaching, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello and welcome to today's episode where I'm excited to be talking to Sapria, a Deakin University student to discuss how generative AI is changing the face of her research from a student's perspective. And she will be sharing her experiences on generative AI and how she believes it can support students to, to transform their experience. Hello and thank you for joining us, Sapria. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you very much for having me on. And it's great to, to be having this conversation with yourself as well. Uh, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your interest in AI? Sure. So I effectively started out with an interest in, in university. I did my bachelor's in mechatronics engineering at the time. Robotics was quite a trend and a new and upcoming thing. I decided to take on AI um, after a few years um, in a closely related field to what I'd studied, which was manufacturing. And so, yeah, effectively then um, I realized if, if there's any way to work on an actual robot, it would be through AI, AI. I think. Yeah, and, and that that is pretty uh, good in itself, um, considering that it's literally the uh, processing unit of the robot. So, So you're currently studying a master's in AI, is that correct? Yes, I was studying and working up until um, just recently as well. Yep. Um, and so they were quite different in terms of the types of work, I suppose. Um, in terms of studies, it's been far more sort of cutting edge and uh, it's been really interesting. Yeah. So how long ago did you start your master's? Um, I started back in 2020, just in time okay. uh, of COVID. Yeah. So a few years ago now. So how has your understanding of generative AI evolved since you studied your started your studies? Well, I guess I haven't worked as much with generative AI. Oh, My yeah. degree has oriented around machine learning, then mm-hmm. deep learning, and finally peaking at reinforcement learning, which is considered to be the most abstract in terms mm-hmm. of the kinds of algorithms and applications. Um, and I believe you've been part of the where you launched the Deakin AI Society. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we just launched last year. Um, we realized there wasn't a platform at the time for students to discuss, and I thought like it would be that would be a great opportunity for everyone to sort of um, get together, especially the online community, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, most students. Um, studying uh, the current program in AI are currently comprised of online or correspondence students. Mm -hmm. So it would have been great to sort of have a platform where we could all uh, meet and collaborate. Um, um, The other, of course, was to actually uh, delve more into the student perspective on AI and all things um, happening in this field. That's great because yeah. that's what I wanted to uh, get from you today. So let's delve into it a bit further. 
So it's great that you um, launched, I know you co-launched it with some other people as well um, to bring people together for AI. So with um, in higher education in particular, there's been a huge um, shift in the discussion and the focus and the use of AI tools such mm-hmm. as chat, chat GPT. I'm just wondering, how are you leveraging it from a student's perspective, if at all? Yeah, absolutely. So I think ChatGPT has been tremendously useful uh, ever since it's launched. Uh, Game Changer really has, for me at least, uh, helped me to speed up research, particularly um, answering some of the more basic and sometimes you more advanced questions, providing, for example, a preliminary structure for when I'm writing a passage. Um, yeah, it's it's been really helpful. So you're using a chat GPT in particular to assist you in some writing tasks rather than doing it for you. So how is that deepening your understanding? How is it helping you to deepen your understanding of key concepts, I suppose? So that's such a great way to look at it. I, it, I think because, yeah, there's this couple of fundamental ways in which chat GPT has uh, supported my learning and research, which is via... Um, understanding the concepts faster and also um, sort of uh, being this mechanism for of, of consolidation, this platform that really uh, sort of helps to pretty much mine every single relevant information there is online about a topic and really condense it, which speeds up research time by a lot. Um, while also providing a comprehensive picture. So I'm almost always, um, it, it always helps that to, to know and to have that confidence that um, there isn't any information that I should know that has been missed out, mm-hmm. um, which up until now I feel hasn't really been part of how research was conducted. And I would love to delve more into that in, in, in relation to how uh, sort of research is conducted at the moment and, and the kind of limitations I'm I'm often encountering in this space. And then it would also be great to sort of speak around um, the kind of benefits and learnings in terms of language, um, in terms of um, written communicative mm-hmm. skills that ChatGPT also provides. So I think, yeah, those are the two fundamental ways in which it has really supported my learning. And there's a lot of discussion around the um, validity off of it, I suppose, and using critical thinking and evaluative judgment when actually using it. How are you implementing those skills from a student's perspective when using tools such as ChatGPT? ChatGPT doesn't really take away from critical thinking. It augments it, Mm -hmm. um, I feel, because we need to have a certain amount of information and as you said depth of knowledge before we can sort of um draw patterns or add to it or 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 um uh, think um about an issue with um understanding of all sides and i for one um you know for sure i'm, I'm the sort of person who does uh, prefer to think through things by themselves first mm-hmm. so um that that gives me more of a it's 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 I guess I suppose it's related to just having that 
that sort of that ability to problem solve through something mm. and being authentic and original for me I think and, and a lot of people is is really important rather than rote learning or copying off someone else's work or relying too much on another system mm. and, and not utilizing one's own cognitive skills um, so I think and I think researchers particularly I feel the research community could really benefit with um, uh, I think addressing some of the ways to not just do research but how to conduct mm. uh, research um, absolutely so can you talk can you talk a bit about the models um, that you talked about earlier so you talked about um, deep learning reinforcement learning and machine learning so how does how does that type of learning inform the AI that you're using? Yeah, so ChatGPT is based on a language model, uh, yep. which um, is um, based around this very uh, sort of up-and-coming um, model called Transformers, as you know, uh, which has really revolutionized the AI field, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, uh, pays or, or weights different inputs or parts of the input and pays mm. attention um, to the different uh, parts of the input, weight the the match of the, the word return. How does your knowledge of the underpinning models that inform uh, the likes of ChatGPT change how you use it or inform how you use it? And where I'm going with that is there's a lot of discussion around uh, prompting, how you actually mm -hmm. prompt and, and the validity of the results that come back. So, like, yeah. is it true? Is it not true? How do yeah. I evaluate that information? So. Are you more skeptical of the information that comes back or do you have more of an understanding that, hang on, this is really valid information, this is how I'm going to deal with the information that comes back at me? Yeah, for sure. So I think it that can be quite challenging to pick up sometimes. Sometimes mm. it's rather obvious, but when it comes to, for example, looking at an example of code uh, implementation, Mm -hmm. um, it can be more challenging to pick up. It's only after when, once we have implemented it or mm. um, tested it against other similar types of results from, say, mm. GitHub or other uh, code code platforms that, that mm. we, we can truly discern that. But for now, I think there's a lot of repetition as well in, mm. in the answers returned. Mm -hmm. And um, GBD4 is... Um, it's sort of better at returning certain. It's it's a bit more nuanced, but mm. still, yeah. So it sounds like you don't need the underpinning knowledge of the language models to look at the output. It's more about just looking at the output, using evaluative judgment, and saying, asking yourself, what is this actually coming back with? It's. it's I think it's going to be generally helpful across the board. Yeah. So if it's going to be helpful, how do you think students can best leverage AI to support them in their studies? Because there is a real concern around the plagiarism side of things. Yes, um, that is a tricky topic to navigate around. We, we probably may need to reframe how we think about plagiarism mm -hmm. um, in the up and coming years um, because uh, most students already have access to a vast library Mm -hmm. um on themselves and I think that in itself could be seen as a form of <laughs> I suppose plagiarism mm. but um it's it's really about how 
these tools help us out in the real world. Mm -hmm. And if there's any real downsides to utilizing these tools, such mm -hmm. as with neuroplasticity plasticity, or mm -hmm. other sorts of um, areas. But I, I don't think that, that necessarily um, utilizing these tools for a test or an assignment mm -hmm. um, is, is bad. So long as people, as you mentioned, utilize their critical thinking faculties to build mm. on top of these results and, mm. um, and, and perhaps even somewhat not rely too much on, on that instant feedback. Um, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe thinking through things and noting down their thoughts before they, they search up anything would probably be, uh, the best way to go about it maybe well that's one thought and then <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned around industry partners um yeah. and un understanding what's actually in this uh, the industry focus so from a yeah. student perspective would you like to see in within courses to say this is being used in industry and this is how it's being used and i'm yeah. thinking more because this this is moving so quickly so what's relevant now in four years' time may not be relevant. And your example of robotics was very, very true, um, very reflective of this, this as well in, 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 a, uh, in a sense. So do you think um, embedding the AI throughout the curriculum is the way to go, go? And how would we do that effectively, do you feel? Oh, absolutely. That's such a great way. That's actually such a great point. Um, I think... Yeah, learning how to do effective research and um, conduct analysis is in itself a huge skill to have, mm. and it's critical um, to have that. And I feel, I honestly feel like with IT and engineering, mm. should be augmented not just with, I guess, um, AI, but mm. also with other fields that help them think, um, mm. such as humanities and all the other sorts of fields which really question, you know, the sort of um, deeper understanding of things from other perspectives. Um, so I, I think that it's really important to have that holistic education of not just doing, but also thinking about how to do something. I love that perspective about um, embedding within the humanities as well, the ability yeah. to think, because that ability to research and ana analyse, you've hit the nail on the head there. It is such a critical skill to have and yeah. one that we, we don't, we can tap into, but you can choose not to tap into it as well, but it is a skill in itself. So it, it, the way to think and how do you think and how do you question and yeah. there's a lot of discussion around creative creative thinking and different ways of thinking, and they're going to be the next skills that people are going to need because we've got this, uh, these different tools in industry already, and some of these tools have been around for years. Yeah. So how do you actually um, create industry-ready graduates yeah. um, with the appropriate skill sets? And one of those yeah. things is those, those thinking skills, which are yeah. deeply rooted in the humanities, but there's no, no reason why they shouldn't be embedded within all the other industries as well. So great point there. Thank mm. you. Finally, I suppose, what are the ethical considerations do you think that's important when using the likes of ChatGPT, specifically in higher education? And how can we ensure that these technologies are used responsibly um, with the best interests of students? Yes. So that is a tricky question, mm. <laughs> actually, mm. because... Um, 
I suppose up until now, one of the main concerns in terms of where as ethics is concerned is um, ensuring that the there's there's it's it's debiased it's it's tapped into like minority cultures and mm. debiased it entirely for those and I mean uh, minority in terms of how it's referred to um, on you know a more from a more formal perspective mm-hmm. but but it hasn't debiased against uh, sort of I guess the non-minority culture mm. so um, I think that is a real concern because we we think as humans that we're not being biased but there's no way for us to check ourselves and yes. so <laughs> and I think that that is it's 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 critical mm. to truly understand what bias means and 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 what um that means against uh, sort, of, sort of like the, the grand scheme of philosophy and so to clarify, and it's an important point you make in relation to debiasing. So when you're talking about debiasing AI, you mean making sure that the AI isn't unfairly treating some people differently to others. So it's really important, especially in relation to the minority groups that you've talked about. And there's a lot of great work to understand the data that is AI is trained on. And it's important to understand that this can be bias or it can have prejudice. And therefore, it can inherently treat groups unfairly because of this. So to bias, to debias it, we need to identify the unfair parts essentially and fix them. However, in the likes of chat GPT, it isn't so easy, which is where critical thinking skills and evaluative judgment on the individual level needs to come in to be used in conjunction with AI. AI doesn't currently have the human values, like whether or not that will come in. It doesn't have the ability to judge a situation. It doesn't have the ability to take into account the the individuals, as you were saying, the bias or the cultural considerations or anything like that where it is unique to the human versus uh, the algorithm itself. So it's great great that you're thinking about these things, especially from a student um, perspective, and it's really insightful. So I really want to thank you uh, for your time today, and I look forward to talking to you more about this in the future. Yeah, absolutely, Joanne. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, it's been a really great discussion.